Hi, colleagues. This is Vanessa Vigna, and you're listening to Sea of Talk. This is episode eight, I think. And it's all about when a coach gets coached. Let's dive in. winning my district's Grinspoon came with a scholarship to like all of the five colleges in the Pioneer Valley and and also other area colleges. And I decided to go with Mount Holyoke um, because I have a friend who's done the math leadership program. And I've noticed that several of the teachers that have either student taught or worked, um, ended up getting jobs or long-term subpositions have come through that program. And I've been impressed. And let me just say, it has been amazing. And I loved my grad school program at UW in Seattle, but this one, mm, yes, it's doing all the things and I'm so excited for the teachers that are in this program, most of them are earning the their master's. I think there's just a couple of us that are doing the coaching institute. And I am really jazzed that they're getting this information at this time with this lens. It is going to make a huge, huge impact, I think, on their future careers. So Part of my coaching institute has been taking a coaching class, which I was really excited about because I don't know about other coaches, but I was never like officially trained to be an instructional coach or a literacy coach. I came with a lot of instructional and curriculum knowledge, but the coaching knowledge, you know, just because someone is a good teacher doesn't make them a good coach. I've heard that many, many, many times over the past eight years that I've been doing this. And it seems like a good opportunity. And I have been really excited about the things that I have been learning. So in our intensive week at Mount Holyoke in person, well, some of us were in person and some were online, so it was a hybrid class. I participated in a coaching conversation where one of my fellow coaches watched a video of my teaching, and y'all know I'm always recording myself. I have to take my computer into my district next week, and I'm pretty sure mine is going to be the one that takes like a week to transfer because of all of the videos that I have. Um, so I chose a video and my coach watched it and then, well, first we participated in a pre-observation conversation 
Then she watched the video and then we had a post-observation conversation. And I have to say, the it was such a nice lens um, to be on the other side of the coaching conversation. I don't, observing other teachers is not the bulk of what I have done. I hope that I can change that. I'm still wrestling with what that is going to look like in my building, in the system that I inherited and also that I have fully participated in and in some cases created. Um, so I'm, I'm still wrestling with that. But it was awesome. I loved it. I, I've never been one who's been afraid to be in like the hot seat or um, I don't get nervous when people come into my room. Um, I'm pretty sure it's mostly because of just of my personality. I was a theater major in college. Like auditioning is something that I have done pretty much my entire life. Bearing my soul is not frightening to me. It's like how I connect with people. So uh, it was not intimidating or nerve wracking to have someone watch my video. And it was a recent video and I am not an expert teacher. <laughs> um, I know a lot of things and I still have a lot to learn. Um, so I knew that there was room for improvement even from a video from this past school year. So the, co the pre-observation conversation involved running through like the structure of the lesson, what the students and I had been doing before that, um, what my hopes for the outcomes were, differentiation, assessments, like those were all the questions that we reviewed. I decided that I wanted my coach to focus on the student engagement. It was just a video of a mini lesson and it was tight. It was less than 15 minutes. Um, but I definitely did most of the talking. There was a gradual release of I do, we do, you do, but it was a lot of sit and get for the students for the vast majority. Um, so I, I wanted to have the conversation focused on that. So that was her lens. She ended up taking some data. It was a simple like T-chart of like student on one side, teacher on the other side, and she just tallied um, the number of times that each of us spoke. And having that data was um, a really great piece of evidence to like, showcase the truth, you know, the, the current reality of what happened in that lesson. Um, because at this point in my career, the gradual release of the mini lesson is sort of second nature, but so I don't think about it a lot anymore. You know, I always say that my plans used to be pages 
pages long for like a single lesson because I scripted out everything that I said. Again, theater major background. Um, but now my lessons can fit on a sticky note or in a, you know, the one inch by one inch box in my paper planner because I'm old school like that. Um, so it comes naturally, but then to see how much more talking I did in the mini lesson was shocking is not quite the right word, um, but it was eye-opening. And so we watched the video and there was no conversation during the observation, just like, you know, if it was a real observation and she was sitting somewhere in the room, we wouldn't have conversed. Um, the post-conversation was also really great. She led me through, first she um, highlighted some uh, a thanks, some gratitude towards me for inviting me in, uh, allowing her to see me in action, and um, how captivated the students were. Um, and then led me through a series of questions about what what else could it have looked like um and and she didn't offer suggestions it was open ended and i did the work and we landed um with a future goal of refining these like active engagement techniques for the mini lesson. So doing things like adding some thumbs up or thumbs down, just simple nonverbal um, engagement or gamifying it in some way so that students had a goal of recording um, how many times they used the, the skill from the mini lesson. In this case, it was using their persistence power in reading, um, gamifying it so that when they went back to their seats, they had um, a record, a physical um, artifact of the work that they did. So it it landed great. Um, it felt good, it felt important, it felt doable, and I, I am absolutely, as a coach, who models lessons in classrooms all the time, which is probably where I spend most of my coaching work currently. I'd like that to shift, but uh, I'm gonna use some of these, um, I'm gonna use this goal, just continuing to think of refining that active engagement um, with a mix of nonverbal and some gamifying techniques. So when our roles were switched and it was my turn to be the coach, um, I had some general questions in mind, right? Because you don't know exactly what you're going to see, but you can still be prepared. I can't script out a coaching conversation in an observation, but I can be prepared. So I had some key questions in mind, uh, depending on her goal, because I didn't know what she was going to say her focus would be that she would like me to focus on during the um, observation. But general question like what what else could it have looked like and what effect do you think that would have on students and um i had those sort of tucked away ready to use and those are sort of high leverage questions that seem like they could get used a lot with just a little bit of refinement to make it fit whatever the situation is 
And then um, she, when I ran through that pre-observation conversation, she said that it was, um, it, it wasn't really a lesson. It was leading an activity, giving the directions for an activity they were going to do, but she wanted to um, get some ideas for ways to make it more engaging, make the directions more engaging. So then I watched, I observed her lesson and I, I felt good about like the conversation preparation that I had already done. Um, and I feel in general that I am an active listener. I'm listening with curiosity. Um, and being able to see the behavior in action and thinking about um, ways, other ways that it could look like and trying to navigate questions that I would ask to lead her, but without being a leading question. That's the trickiest part for me because <laughs> I have an idea. Oh my gosh, I, what if she had tried blah, blah, blah. Um, that is, it's so tempting because it's so easy, but then I'm doing the work, right? And just like I used to have a, a sign in my classroom that said, who's doing the thinking? I think I need to resurrect that and include it in my coaching work so that I'm asking who's doing the thinking in my coaching conversations. Um, so I watched her video and then again, I uh, gave her some thanks for letting me see her in action. Um, it was awesome to see like what a strong, um, what, what a strong, uh, classroom management system she had in place. She's a middle school teacher and they were paying attention and engaged and, um, and following directions, um, which I can't say is true for all middle school classrooms. And I noticed as I was asking those questions, so I ended up asking those key questions that I had sort of prepared to, what else could it have looked like? You did it this way. What else could it have looked like? And she thought around that a little bit um, and ended up landing where I hoped she would land. I'm not sure if she hadn't what I would have asked. Um, but I think that it, it would have, it, there would have been something for me to latch onto in hearing what she said, because being a curious listener, you can pick up on little things and then try to weave that in somehow. Um, and I also asked what effect do you think that would have on them? So she talked about how maybe having them figure out the assignment, right? Like a, like a true inquiry, like just give them the supplies and have them MacGyver their way out of it or into it maybe. <laughs> um, and what effect that would have had. And she said that that would have made them feel confident and powerful and smart. And aren't those things that we want students to feel? Absolutely. Um, so as I was reflecting, like I have noticed that most of my coaching work presently and in the past um, has been directive or facilitative, but not transformational. Because I'm, I don't know if I've ever really attended to 
all three B's. I've definitely done behaviors, right? Because those are the ones that are in our face that we see. But I have not attended to beliefs and ways of being as much. And that's something that is in the front of my mind. <laughs> there goes a really loud car down my street, but I am not re-recording. One and done. Um, so it felt it felt totally natural to to have this conversation, um, to ask these questions that were not leading or why questions, which is also my tendency. Um, it was it was easy to do. I have some some fears about about doing this in my context in my current school system because I don't do a lot of observations of teachers for a variety of reasons. I think there's a lot of fear um, that it's just it's not the culture that we have right now and I'm thinking hard about how I can shift us towards that without having people melt down because especially after the past two years that is not something I'm interested in um so so maybe it's you know reaching out to a few teachers that I think would be open to it and and then having them naturally just talk it up you know with their teams and then it sort of gradually spreads I'm all about the long game um, that I, I totally get that. Um, it's not a rush for me. It's not a sprint. I am here for the marathon. Um, but, uh, it is something I also like need to be very thoughtful and intentional about to lay that groundwork. Um, so like I can see protocols in my future and, um, some norms, establishing norms as a school and even within a team and even maybe one-on-one -on -one to make it work and be successful. Um, so my other thought is like the thing that I do the most of is co-planning and modeling. So the co-planning part, maybe, maybe there's a way I can use some of this work in co-planning. So it's the only part that it's really missing is the like observation, right? Like we still could have the pre-observation conversation. What's been going on? What are your intended outcomes? What kind of differentiation are you thinking about? What is the assessment going to look like? And then thinking through the post-observation post conversation of what else could it be? And what impact could that have? And then ending with, and I neglected to include this before, um, going through the CAL, the collaborative assessment log of the strengths, what's going well, some possible current focuses or concerns or challenges, and then the teacher's next steps and the coach's next steps, which is just a very small tweak in the form that I currently use. So I think that would be an easy, an easy shift. So maybe those co-planning conversations could also include questions like, um, what do you want your students to know and do? Like you're, let's, we're co-planning this new poetry unit. What do we want them to know and do after this lesson or after this week or after this unit? 
um, maybe including some conversation about the standards, right? We're a standards-based district. Um, and, and then again, what could that look like and what impact could that have? Um, that's something I'm thinking about, how to tweak this. First, I want to increase the number of observations that I do. And then in the meantime, try to incorporate some of this work in the more facilitative coaching that I have traditionally done um, while working on transforming into a transformational coach. Um, and then the last thing that I'm thinking about is just the discomfort that teachers may feel in this shift in my work. So they've known me to be a certain kind of coach for the past seven years. This is going to be my eighth year in this district. And maybe they're used to that, right? And now I'm going to pull the rug out from under them and do not quite a 180 because it's related, similar, but it's elevated. Um, and it's definitely more demanding. So I've already had a couple sort of um, casual coaching conversations with teachers in my building because it is summer, right? Like no one is really working real hard right now. Um, but I've had a few casual ones and I've definitely embedded more of the like open-ended questioning um, instead of the more directive or facilitative work that I've done in the past. And both of the coaches that I talked to were like, what is going on? <laughs> they noticed it right away. And one of them was like, just tell me, just tell me what you're thinking. And so I think I'm gonna have to leave some space for checking in and, and, and reflecting what's coming up for you. Um, and maybe even like having some upfront conversations that say, so I'm going through a little metamorphosis to give everyone a bit of a heads up. Um, and I, I wonder how it's going to impact my coaching role in the building. I think in the long run, it's going to be great. I'm super pumped about it. Um, but I am worried about the immediate impact and possible discomfort that it may cause my teachers. And I like, that doesn't sit right with me right now in this time in the now, just because of everything that they've gone through in the past two years. So I have a little bit of guilt search or, um, yeah, guilt about doing this to them right now. Um, and I think I can work through that, go all the way through that emotional tunnel. Um, to get to the other side because I think in the long run it's going to be worth it but it is going to be an adjustment so that was what it's like for a coach to get coached a I loved it B I have some worries about what's going um, about making it work for me and my staff my colleagues um, and see, I'm here for it. So it's, I'm really glad that I have a group of marigolds to dig into this work. I'm really looking forward to the next round of classes that start in September. And I know that I'm going to keep learning because that's like one of my favorite roles as a coach is getting all of this 
learning in my head and into my beliefs and my way of being and my behaviors. All right. Thanks so much for tuning in um, and being inside my head for a bit. Thanks again to my friend Matt Atwood who recorded the um, super rad track for Sea of Chalk. And I don't think there's gonna be any more, there will be any more summer episodes. This might be just the only one. And I'm not exactly sure what is in store for Sea of Chalk for the 2022-2023 school year. I can't wait to find out though. Thanks so much.